This is episode 111 of the Ottawa Podcast. I'm Amon Bashir. With me is Keegan On and Robert Trell. And our guest today is Matt Hammer Hashe. Awesome. Yes. I decided to mix it up. <laughs> uh, so Matt's with us to talk about, uh, well, a few things, but, but most of which is probably B- BJJ related. Uh, yep. And Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts. Yes. Uh, but before we get to your story, in front of us, we have some treats from Arlington Five. Keegan brought the treats today, so Keegan, tell us about uh, what this is. Uh, yeah, Arlington Five is a, a new coffee shop. I don't know. I, well, I just saw it, uh, but it's downtown, and it's uh, it's just a cool spot for people to hang and drink coffee. Okay, <laughs> like uh, I'm going to cut you right there, Rob. <laughs> what is Arlington Five? Do you know anything about it? I, I know very little. I haven't actually been there. But Keegan's yeah. the one who's been there, but apparently knows absolutely nothing about it. Uh, yeah, it is called Arlington Five. They they advertise themselves as being behind Wilf and Ada's, right off Bank Street. So if you know Wilf and Ada's, yep. it's right there. Owned by the same people, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like it. And similarly, the Wilf and Ada's website is very bare bones. Arlington Five's website is also very bare bones. It basically has the hours and I don't even, does it even have the address? It's, it's very, yeah, it does have the address. But they're advertising themselves basically as being in coffee and sandwiches and next to Wilfinadas. Yeah, and well, the issue with Wilfinadas is that they've become so popular in such a small spot mm-hmm. uh, for breakfast or what, what have you. And when people are waiting or on a wait list, they would go to the Starbucks, they'd go somewhere else. So why not have a coffee shop as mm-hmm. wait, uh, yeah. you know, sort of so- somewhere to wait while you're getting your table? So yeah. there's that. Yeah. The website's too cool for info. Thanks for that, Keegan. <laughs> starting strong. <laughs> Their cinnamon rolls are pretty awesome, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's what we're eating right now, cinnamon <laughs> rolls. So, so uh, yeah, what do you think, Matt? I think it's pretty solid. I, I love sugar, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty solid. Good stuff. Mm. Yeah. What, what about you guys? Yeah, man, uh, yeah. Uh, cinnamon rolls are the best, and uh, these are very good. These are not like, uh, like, if you've been to Cinnabon, they have a very distinctive, like, strong cinnamon flavor. They're very gooey. Mm-hmm. This is not that, but I arguably I think it's better. Okay, like it's more substantial. Like it, cakey. It feels yeah. more like a balloon that is in the shape of a cinnamon bun. It's cinnamon, but this feels more like somewhat like your grandma made it or something. Like Absolutely. it feels more kind of small batch, which it is. So that's very good. You, you know, when I was asking, uh, w- when I thought about asking you guys what you thought of the cake, I did not think I'd get like a any type of analysis. But I, I'm glad that we got there. This yeah. is good. We this don't know good. beer, but we know sweet. Yeah, <laughs> this is one thing. This is our specialty. We should change it up. Um, and then just real quickly, Keegan, like talk about what it's you know what's it look like in Arlington Five. What's mm. like walk us through it. Uh, it's a coffee shop. Thanks. But they always uh, it's one of those places they always play cool music and it's uh, open concept, I guess. And you can sit right at the the coffee bar there. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a bunch of art on the walls, right? Like local oh, yes. art, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is cool. All right, there you go. What do you tried? <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, Arlington Five wants to send us uh, coffee, then after that glowing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where where about is it? What's the intersection there? Uh, it's uh, Bank Arlington. And- yeah, Arlington. Oh, yeah, of course it's Arlington. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That one was my fault. <laughs> so, Matt, let's uh, let's jump into your story now. Uh, can you tell us a bit about sort of your background, how you got to where you are type thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was at a very young age. I was super enthusiastic about exercise and and getting fit and just like most kids who watch uh, martial art movies as a kid you kind of have an interest in it and uh, my parents were always ag- against the idea of me doing martial arts 
but uh, I was always into fitness and um, I kind of looked for different martial arts as I was growing up and I tried different styles and I was really lucky I came across uh, my teacher Pat Cooligan and uh, I got to do a jiu-jitsu class while I was still in high school. It was my last year of high school. I got to do, it was Brazilian jiu-jitsu specifically. And uh, and yeah, <laughs> I've been doing that now for the last uh, almost 15 years. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so what, what did you, like, did, did you... Did you stick in Ottawa? Were you, you sorry? You said you're from Ottawa, yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, born and raised in the the South End. Okay. My favorite place to hang out, Mooney's Bay. If you've okay. never been, uh, mm. definitely go there. <laughs> I love Mooney's Bay. Okay. There you go. Uh, well, first of all, what do you think of the new park? The you new ever, park. Have you heard about Bay? this? Yeah, I saw the development. I didn't get a chance to go play in it yet. I know you that's, plan to. Yeah, that's on the schedule. <laughs> well, come on. Like I'm essentially like a monkey. Like I love to just climb on stuff. And uh, you know, obviously, the huge hill that they have for sprints is amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm actually excited to bring my my two boys and my wife there. Maybe just on the weekend. Actually, sure. you know what? I think you just made my plans for Sunday. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know if it's done. Yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know sure. if you can get in there yet. They've, yeah, not yet. They've started it though, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Absolutely. almost complete. It's I, just I, kind of blocked off. Close. It has like pine or cedar or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It smells amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's a good touch because that, right. that's why we all want to go there. Yeah, it smells. That's the only reason, not the structure. It's supposed to rain overnight. It'll smell amazing. The cedar gets wet. Oh, there man. You go. <laughs> Matt, who were some of your um, martial art role models as a kid, you know, fictional or, or real? Well, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this show. It's called uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. yeah. It's, pretty, oh, yeah. it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that essentially was my life as a kid. And then um, uh, one of the things, though, I think for sure really propelled me into really wanting to do martial arts was actually uh, watching Rocky. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had not, no word of a lie. That movie w- totally got me so into the idea of uh, wanting to do boxing and wanting to get more into training and learning more about fighting. And, um, and, and as I started to look for different fighting styles and I tried different fighting styles, I, I couldn't really, I, I had a hard time to decide. You know, I wasn't really too interested in getting punched in the head too much. Obviously, it's not the best future plan, but a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, uh, was doing jujitsu. He came over to my house, showed me some basic moves in my basement, and I needed to learn more, see more. And I started, he, he, he expressed to me, uh, and showed me different fights uh, that were happening in Pride and in UFC. And he explained about the Gracie family. And, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was so intrigued by it. I wanted to learn more about it. And luckily enough, in my neighborhood, there was someone teaching jujitsu. And mm-hmm. it, it, it turned out uh, it was uh, Pat Cooligan that was teaching at the school. And he was only teaching, uh, it was two or three times a week at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would go once or twice. I actually went to that school to learn kung fu there yeah and 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 pat was teaching jiu-jitsu in the other room and i started doing jiu-jitsu and kung fu and the next thing you know i just i've been doing jiu-jitsu ever since okay Very cool would you call pat cooligan your master splinter <laughs> yes essentially <laughs> that's, that's just completely checking. right yeah. Just checking. <laughs> yeah matt is there like a, um, a fighting style that really didn't click with you or that you you really uh you didn't like from from all the different martial arts that I've had a chance to be exposed to, I think they all have something very beneficial mm. uh, to it. Uh, I think, though, 
why I've gotten so drawn to jujitsu or doing Brazilian jujitsu specifically is that uh, the fact that you don't have to punch somebody yeah. to control or subdue them. Uh, so many of the martial arts are very aggressive and it's fo- focusing on hurting your opponent. Like Kung What's, Fu, right? Kung Fu is very Man, all, almost all the other yeah. martial arts that I've had an opportunity to practice, either be from karate, Kung Fu, kickboxing, boxing, uh, uh, Krav Maga, it, all these other uh, martial arts it's focusing on hurting your opponent to stop them, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and control them in one way or another. I did Aikido as well, uh, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu—it's—it's it's essentially you're you're learning a massive empathy for someone else, and you 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 really master and learn how they feel as you master and learn how you feel, and you learn to pin people to the ground control them in a way that they cannot hurt you or themselves or anybody. And it, I think it's the most, uh, what's the right word to use? I I don't want to say non-aggressive, but the most, um, like the jujitsu translated into English means gentle art. Mm. Really? Yeah. And, and, and I really believe that when you practice it and you start to learn how jujitsu works, you really realize that absolutely it's the gentle art. You really learn to be a compassionate. That's the word I'm looking That's for, yeah. is to be a compassionate person for someone else. I, for instance, I fought mixed martial arts once at, uh, at the casino in, in Hall, and, uh, or at the, it's in the Hilton, the, the hotel beside the casino. Right. I got to fight uh, mixed martial arts. That's kind of a funny story. That was actually a punishment. I, <laughs> I messed up on something. Next day I found out I was fighting mixed martial arts. But anyways, um, when I fought... Uh, what was incredible is I was able to dominate my opponent. I picked them up. I slammed them on the ground. And, and at no point did I throw one punch. Not one point did I throw one kick. Mm-hmm. And I was able to put him in a choke. And uh, he gave up. And I won the match. And it was just a great reflection for me. And I think for everybody who was present is that, you know, you don't have like to stop an attacker. You don't have to punch or kick them at all. And I, and I think when you talk about violence and you, you look at a lot of violence that might be going on in our society or any society, what's really amazing is Brazilian jiu-jitsu specifically teaches how to overcome violence, how to overcome the violence within and then how to overcome violence around you. It's really amazing. So even a lot of students you'll see is that as they practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu more and more and more, they start to develop this level of calmness. So for instance, we'll have people join our school and they suffer from, let's say, uh, different types of like anger or frustration. Like a real classic example is uh, road rage. Mm-hmm. You know, you have people who drive around in the city, get caught up in traffic. Like the other day, I was driving through a neighborhood to pick up children for our after school program. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking for a place to park and the person behind me is losing their mind. <laughs> But it's only me and this one other car on the street. It's like, like I've been to California. Like I've been in a highway where you sit and you don't move. I've been in Chicago. I was in a, tra- a traffic jam for, in Chicago for like two hours and not move yeah. for two hours. Not move. And here I got this woman behind me going like, like find a parking spot already. I'm like thinking in my head like, man, like it, it's going to be all right. Like everything's going to be okay. And so with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of our practitioners, if maybe road rage is something they struggle with, it just starts to kind of slip away. They just start to kind of find this calmness where, 
you know, because w- when you train and you roll around and someone's trying to choke you unconscious mm-hmm. and you start to have your life threatened <laughs> on a daily basis yeah. and you have to learn to manage that stress. Huh. As you manage that stress on the mats, when you are in a car and you have to wait, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> perspective, right? Yeah, yeah huge, <laughs> huh. huge perspective. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. How, how do you think, you know, after so many years, the sport has stayed so gentle, right? Because, you know, with anything, as things become more popular, in theory, you, you get people of all different types that come in and maybe some more aggressive and otherwise. Is it that you can't succeed by striking? Or is it that it's inherent, like, it, it, it's a, it's such a, uh, uh, like, important part of the training? Uh, at what point, does the striking sort of go away? Because I imagine some people go into martial arts thinking they're going to strike. Well, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there is definitely an element to, let's say, combat. No, of course, yes. If, to take more of like maybe a general term away from the hyper-focus of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, when you talk about combat, there's three phases to combat. Sure. So if you want to talk, let's say, one of the best examples right now of modern-day combat, let's say UFC, yeah. mixed martial arts, that's the highest level of combat. And um, you have three phases. You have the striking phase. Okay. So that's you're punching, you're kicking. You have the clinch where people grab, they can throw or throw knees and elbows. Uh, and then you have the ground fighting where you can still get punched. Yeah. You have ground and pound. Or then you have the submissions. Um, <clears throat> there's always going to be an element to striking. You can never escape it. And the reality is, if you want to learn how to deal with someone throwing a punch or a kick at you, you have to learn it. So don't get me wrong. I've, I've hmm. been doing Muay Thai along with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Which, and Muay Thai is a, a phenomenal art where you're learning how to throw punches and kicks. Right. Uh, and you need to learn that so that you can appreciate it, what it's like to get hit. You got to get punched. You got to get kicked so you know what it's like. Yeah. But I really believe as you pursue and uh, learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu... Uh, or the grappling arts, like you learn wrestling and, or maybe let's say like Sambo, any, any kind of grappling art, you learn how to manage the stress or the idea of someone throwing a punch or kick at you, yep. how to negate the attack, sure. and then how to get the fight to the ground. Interesting. And when you put the fight to the ground, it's really hard to get punched or kicked at that point. That's mm-hmm. a good point. But the, the reality is to get close enough to somebody and grab them and put them on the ground you need to learn how to deal with that punch or kick coming at you. Makes sense. Like I'll give a good example. My nephew, uh, you know, uh, tells a story where he 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 started jujitsu with us at our Rockland location. That's where his family he lives. His family lives out that part of the city, and um, he only had done so many lessons. And one summer, he he was uh, there traveling. He's a kind of motocross. He loves that stuff. But anyways, he was he's traveling, and and a boy started to pick on him. Okay. And the boy was just wouldn't leave him alone, just kind of like harassing him, bothering him. And eventually, uh, the boy went to kick my nephew. Mm-hmm. My nephew moved out of the way, caught the kick, pushed him to the ground, and said, "Hey, leave me alone." The boy gets back up, comes running at him, throws the kick again. Uh, my nephew catches the kick, <laughs> throws him away, huh. and 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 says, "Stop it!" And again, the, the third time, the boy goes to kick. He throws him to the ground, gets on top of them, and he restrains him, restrains the boy to the point where adults had to come and re- separate the two. Mm. And my nephew was so upset because 
he he's the type of kid that likes to babysit like infants. Like yeah, he doesn't right. want to fight. He has a super gentle heart. Yeah. But here you have a boy who does not want to fight. Right. He's verbally saying, I don't want to fight, but he's catching the kick, throwing the boy to the ground. Now catching the kick, that's a Muay Thai technique sure. that they learn uh, when they practice the class. So you have to learn how to throw kicks and punches so you can respect it when it's thrown at you. Sure, you know what to expect. Exactly. But what's amazing is that when you learn how to throw a punch and a kick, you learn how to deal with that and you learn how to how to grapple and put the fight to the ground, you realize you don't really need to punch or kick anybody. I guess mm-hmm. not. Yeah, and especially for anybody who is afraid of fighting. Interesting. If you're really afraid of fighting, you're afraid of someone attacking you, Train martial arts. I guess. Yeah. Like if you want to get, yeah. it's like, let's say you want to get over a fear. Whatever your fear is, you have to confront it. Of course. And you got to hit it head on. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Is like, uh, I remember a lot of people when I was explaining to them how I essentially dropped out of university to pursue martial arts. Well, oh, like, you did, eh? Oh, yeah. I, I got into Carleton University. I did about a semester. And the environment I was in compared to the environment I was at my school at the Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts, being there, that environment was just so inclusive. Yes. And I found being in university, it was so separating. Sure. Everyone was so right. individual yeah. and I'm better than you. And I just, I really had a complex with kind of like the school atmosphere. Right. But being in martial arts and being with my team, my teacher, my teammates, I just felt like I was really part of something special and moving in a good direction. And I was growing so dramatically that I just, you know, I, I, I went, uh, I went all in, but again, for people <clears throat> trying to overcome fears, yeah. like, uh, I, I had a fear of fighting. So I, I want to learn martial arts, but I, I really think that's a good, a good tactic. Like if you have a fear, you have to legitimately, you have to confront it. Of course. And, and if people fear violence and, and, and fear, a, a, a fear of being attacked or hurt, man, you gotta, you gotta like learn violence. And that's what I was going to sure. express is that a lot of people were concerned with me learning martial arts in, in to such a degree and wanting to compete, wanting to fight yeah. that people thought like, Oh, aren't you going to become more violent? No, the, the absolute opposite happens as you learn more how to be violent. You learn that you don't have to be violent. Wow, that's right. Really interesting. I you, like usually, usually the people that are violent and choose that, it's because they are afraid yeah. and hmm. they don't know how to express their feelings. Yeah. They don't know how to express who they are. So they use violence to express and demonstrate themselves when the reality is they probably have no, they have probably no idea how to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really the fear is within and they, they, have, they probably have a lot of, uh, probably self-image problems and probably low self-esteem that things that they need to overcome yeah Mm -hmm. hurting people is doesn't make any sense no no i'm with you interesting uh you said you you went to carlton for a semester yeah carlton university what did you study um the stuff that i i signed up for i paid for yeah paid a lot for uh, (laughs) yeah was uh, all kind of like general arts. I signed sure. up. I was in. It was like an English course, reading great material, philosophy, anthropology, sociology, psychology, and these were all the things I was very excited to to learn and study. And uh, I just wasn't. I just I didn't approve with the the culture of the university. I, I, mm-hmm. I just I just felt like it wasn't really encouraging learning and and just was kind of like poorly guided to be to be honest uh school was always a big struggle for me uh, 
like very, very, school was very hard for me and I had a lot of help from family and friends. But it was funny is that after I was done school, uh, my, my teacher, like I say, uh, Pat Cooligan, he, uh, he actually really got me inspired to want to learn. Yep. And it was so funny is that when I was finally done school, I, I was so excited to study for, for me and for myself. <laughs> right. so I started reading like crazy. I started studying. Like, and, I, and I haven't stopped. I'm, I'm actually quite obsessive with studying and learning. And hmm. It's funny as I get older, sure. I, can't, I can't wait to learn more. I can't wait to study more. Like, yeah. It's just kind of funny. It's like finally, when I, once I was done school, yeah. which I felt was, I think, a very competitive environment yep. that just wasn't healthy or breeding a healthy study habits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Once I walked away from that and I realized that I can study to better myself. And like I said, like my teacher kind of really convinced me of that, man, I haven't looked back. Like every night I, I'm so obsessive of le- reading and learning more. And sure. uh, I, I think, I don't know if I got something wrong with me. I just can't stop <laughs> wanting to learn more. Sure. Well, it's different when you, you really care about what you're, you're learning about as well. Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely. What, what, it's difficult. And I think this is common for people in first year university, especially, but also high school and what have you is, you know, when you don't know where this is leading and especially when you're in a bit more of a general type degree, you, you, you don't know. I mean, and, and even if you're not, you know, like, uh, you know, if you're in nursing or engineering, you know where you're going with it. Yeah, exactly. But but, but beyond that, you you might not. It's yeah. in a university setting that is. Mm-hmm. But with that, we have we have a game, and we'll get to why we're playing this game after the game. But the game is called what, Keegan? Which one? Uh, the Are you smarter? Are you smarter than a first grader? There I think it is. We we kind of touched on it. I'm not sure if we did. Oh, maybe not. There I, you I go. Have my, my <laughs> really, are you smarter than a first grader? I have some uh, first grade questions. I thought I'd quiz you guys. On some first grade questions, we're going to do Team uh, Ottawa. It's going to be Rob and Amon mm-hmm. versus Team Guest. That's going to be you, Matt. You're repping Team Guest. Uh, <laughs> as Team Guest, you can choose first or second, Matt. You like to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay, first question for Are You Smarter Than the First Grader? Matt, what part of a plant takes water from the ground? The roots. That's the roots. Oh, nice. and it's also a good band. Solid. Yes, <laughs> one point from Matt Pache. Okay, Team Ottawa. Your first grader question: uh, What Pokemon is so strong that it will take down a whole mountain to make a nest? Oh, this is your. This is your Rob. This I, is mine. Yeah, this is yours. Yes, every first grader would know this. <laughs> it's Let's true. Hear. Every first grader would know this. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I like I'm playing I'm still playing Pokemon Go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I know I've read this. Um oh, but I don't I don't remember who Take it was. Guess. Take a guess. I'm gonna say Gyarados. Gyarados. I'm sorry, the correct answer is Tyranitar. Okay. That, that makes sense. I only know first generation ones. Montessorian <laughs> Pokemon. Oh all great. right. One nothing for team guest. Uh team guest, your question. A bird has what? Wings? Wings. That's the correct answer. Wings. Very I mean, that's nice. A, that's a correct answer. No, that is the exact answer I have written here. You didn't have beak. You didn't have anything. Nothing. No, wings. Nice. Okay, They'll team Otto, what? Your question. What is the best day of the week? Oh. I mean, it's probably Friday, right? Uh, for us, what, what is it for kids? Uh, Saturday? Saturday morning cartoons? Oh, that's true. I'm going to say Saturday. Saturday. I'm sorry. The correct answer is pizza day. Oh, oh come on, that's, man. No, that's true. That's, that's true. true. That's all. That, that really holds up. <laughs> and finally, two nothing. Uh, just for fun, I guess, because uh, Team Guest wins at this point. Um, Matt, 
Name a not living thing. <laughs> a not living thing. <laughs> non living, I guess, would be the correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I was a teacher, I would say. <laughs> you are a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> a non living thing, like a pen? A pen. There you that go. is correct. Is that what you had written down? Yeah. That's the, that, I was yeah. writing with a pen. Yeah. And I wrote it. Three nothing Ottawa for just to save uh, some uh, face. You have to uh, get one right. All right. Uh, every first grader would know this. What is the principal's name? Oh, wow. The principal. Yeah. It's Feeney, right? Well, they, they don't know. As a first grader, I didn't know my principal's first name. Okay. That's important. Oh, no, no, no. Just what, what's, who's the principal of our school? Oh, okay. Wait. Uh, <laughs> every first grader should know. Yeah. I mean, what do you want to, what do you have in your head? <laughs> Chalmers. <laughs> But it's do it. <laughs> uh, Not yeah. Skinner, though. Yeah, let's go Skinner. Let's go Skinner. I'm sorry, yeah. it was Mrs. Doherty. Mrs. Doherty was the answer. Thanks. Uh, that you, is it. That's did you have that written Where down? is that from? For real? Yeah. Oh, that's just my, my school's principles. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, and oh, that great. is how we play. Are you smarter than the first grader, uh, Matt? Congrats! Thank yeah, you. that's you, a you. sweep, right? Three yeah, nothing. That's yeah, fun. that's uh, we got we got this. <laughs> that's a good game. Yeah, definitely a fair game. Uh, uh, so now there, there's a reason why we played that game, <clears throat> and it was something that that you know you you even put in your your pre interview form. Yeah, and it was it was about failing the first grade. Mm -hmm. But but there, there's there's a lot that goes into that, and it, and it shaped your life as well, right? So yeah. can can you touch on sort of some of the story you told us before the, the recording for sure yeah i the reason why i put it down was because i was i was really hoping that i would be able to to talk about it because um i i can address so much with this one event i think in my life uh, i i think definitely at the time it, it, through elementary school and high school and even university i don't think i really understood how important that moment was the fact that i failed grade one And I didn't continue. The truth is, I I I didn't really fail, but I mean, uh, I was doing so bad, so poorly that my teachers warned my parents that if I were to continue on the path I was on, uh, school was going to be a, a huge struggle for me. And it, all, it already was. So uh, what was happening was, like you could say, I was like kind of at fifty percent. I was I was kind of just surviving. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I was. I, I was very young uh, in, in grade one. I was younger. I was the youngest student in the class. I was smaller. I was obviously not developed. Like, I just did not have my things together. I know it sounds really silly to think, well, grade one, how old are you? Maybe like five or six years old, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the reality was, because I was having such a challenge, everything was so difficult to, to survive, I was coming up with survival tactics because I was under such stress that I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand what was being asked of me. I just kept quiet. Instead of asking for help, I relied on intuition. So I'd look at my friend, I'd look at what he's doing and I'd, I'd copy his, his test. I'd copy this, this, the words he's trying to spell. I would just rewrite whatever people were re uh, were writing beside me. And, uh, And on top of that, I actually had bad eyesight, but I didn't realize that till grade two where I ended up getting glasses. So I was in real, like I could probably, I wasn't seeing very well on right. top of that in grade one. So I was literally just in ultra survivor mode. I would just ask everyone beside me for help. I had a very hard time with reading, math, like everything was a challenge. So I, I was essentially breeding this culture of cheating, 
uh, like stealing survival mode. Like it just, it was all the wrong traits you want a child to, right. to be developing. And uh, the teachers had a long, long talk with my parents and they essentially said, this is what we would suggest. But you know, at the end of the day, you guys get to decide. And my parents said, yeah, like, no, he can't go to grade two. He's got to do grade one again. And I remember that summer, uh, I was crushed. So I was essentially told, hey, you're stupid. You can't go to grade two because you're, you're, you're dumb. So you're going to have to do grade one again. And by the way, all your friends are going to move on without you. So now you're a loser too. Right. And you, you're going to lose all your friends. You're going to have to make new friends. And, uh, and yeah, figure it out. And then on top of that, here's all this work we're going to make you do over the summer. So essentially I had to do like summer school with my parents. And I remember just fighting with my, my mother and father and I, and I was, I was just so mad at them. And I was mad at them for years for this because mm-hmm. it was really devastating to have your parents basically tell you, Hey, like you're, you're dumb. Like it was, it was, it was a massive, massive, uh, hit to my, my ego and my, uh, who, who I thought I was in the moment. I realized like I was very young. But that was like, it really shaped who I became. So then I went to school, started grade one all over again. All my friends asked me what's going on. And I had to explain. I had to own up to the fact that, yeah, I got to do it again. And, um, and and they built another school in another neighborhood. So a bunch of my friends actually left the school. Oh, so it was just like it was just one thing after another, and it, it, so I it was this whole kind of like a fresh start. So I go into this class. I'm like now the oldest student, so I have to make all these new friends and uh, and kind of do it all over again. But man, talk about doing it all over again! <clears throat> I. I'm so grateful now because my teachers were just ruthless. They pushed me so hard. They demanded more of me because they knew I was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And they, and my parents had a very good relationship with a lot of the teachers. So what would often happen, and I tell this story when I teach children now, is how my teachers would give me essentially like double the work. Oh, Double the workload. And I had this one teacher who would actually because my school was half day English, sorry, one day English, one day French. Mm. And I had this one teacher who would, once upon a time on tape cassette, she would record herself reading a story in French. And uh, she would take the work and break it down in all the, uh, what what do you call it? The, the, not the the nouns, but when the word breaks. uh, Syllables? In the syllables. So she'd draw lines through all the words to help me know the syllables. So, and she'd give me this work and I'd have to read it uh, with my mother and we'd be listening to my teacher read the story and I'd have to like read it along with her. Like it was, it was wild. I had all these teachers just go way above and beyond to make sure I got what I needed and did what I needed. And uh, grade th- by the time grade three, this had become my culture of just do more work than everybody else. I, I received the most improved boy. Uh, I, I received the award for the most improved student. And I started to see I was getting results, but it, the hard work didn't stop. Grade three, grade four was extremely challenging. And uh, I remember fighting with my parents at the kitchen table with homework. And it was just a battle. My brothers would often have to help me with my homework. It was crazy. Grade five, grade six, it just, it didn't get any easier. It just, it was even harder. But again, my parents supported me through it. My brothers pushed me through it. My friends at school. And eventually I ended up graduating from that school from grade six. 
uh, as the the top student. I received. I was recognized wow. as basically the m- most promising student and o- 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 overall decorated. And uh, and that just. I remember my mom had this like little plaque she would carry in her her uh, purse, and she'd show everybody because she that like that was her reward for making that decision. Wow. And 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 at the time I was a great athlete. I was winning all these medals and I was always frustrated with my parents like why don't you celebrate these medals that I win in different races and sure. different competitions and track and field and sports and they never would celebrate my trophies. But that one school award, they just went crazy about wow. it. And and even at the moment, even then I still didn't understand or appreciate what was going on. But high school is the same. I, I I struggled through high school. Lots of friends and family helped me get through it all. And I just kind of built this work ethic and it became normal to work harder than everybody else. And uh, and then when I finally got to university, I just, I was not satisfied with putting all this hard work into something I didn't feel was going to take me where I wanted to go. Okay. But uh, my teacher that summer... I go and I, and I talk. I say, Pat, uh, I say my teacher. I mean, Pat, uh, Pat Cooligan. When he took me out that 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 summer before I started university, he said, "Listen, you know, I know you're all done school now, and you're going to go to university. But I want you to consider something. I'm I'm planning on opening up a school on Carling, and I know you're a white belt, but uh, when you become a blue belt, I want you to start teaching. You know, you just teach one day a, a week." And I remember thinking in my head, "I'm like, I mean, here's this guy I have all the respect in the world for." You're going to give me an opportunity to teach. And That's it, amazing. It, oh, it, it was like he—he he had only been my teacher for about a year or so. Yeah. But I had such admiration for him because, like I expressed, he you know taught me to want to learn. He taught me how to study for myself, yeah. not for anybody else, just to build me. And uh, he really challenged me to be my best. And um, and then when he gave me this opportunity, I was just—I was blown away. I was like, what? Because I was used to this competitive environment in school where everyone was out for themselves. Right. And here I have this teacher who's like, no, 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 invest in you, make you special. So when I talk about him making me want to study and want to learn is because he convinced me to study and learn for myself to make me better. And um, yeah, and and then when he turned around and said, hey, you want to help me in, be a teacher? I was blown away at the fact that he gave me an opportunity. And, uh, and I really thought a lot about it over the summer. And then once I started university, I had that opportunity just kind of like growing and growing in my mind. I remember my profs would be going on some lecture or speech and all I could think about was fighting and rolling around <laughs> and beating people up. And I was like, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Like, yeah. I, like this is not what I want to do at all. Yeah. And, 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 and I remember I just, I, I stopped school, I stopped university and I was working part-time jobs just to make training work and teaching work. And I, we, I just fully invested myself into the gym and the school because we started off with Pat only had like 15 students at the time. Sure. And now we have six locations in the city and that's right. We probably have about 2000 people training yeah, with us. It's huge. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it's a while because he essentially took it out of his basement to, to Carling to, what, what what we have now. And, um, but anyways, the moral of the story is, and when I express this to children or even adults is like, you know, it, it, at any point in your life, you can always restart. You can always kind of refresh the clock. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think people who are struggling with any type of like failure, 
you know, that, or, or, or they feel like they're stuck. Like it's okay. Stop and take a new direction, but like pursue your passion. Like if doing podcasts is your passion, man, just go for it. Sure. Cause uh, I found that as I pursued my passion of martial arts, like I've been able to get all the things I want out of life through pursuing what I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I get that. So I'm I'm all over the map here. No, no, <laughs> honestly, uh, I, I, I think that would, that's a great message to come from something that that again that would would normally bring people down and 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 maybe down for the count, right? Like, yeah, it's, absolutely. That's that's great. And Good uh, reference. Some, nice. some perspective on you know that hard work and that passion. I'm I'm going through Matt's bio here on yep. on the OM website, and listen to this. It's like Naga, Connecticut, 2006 champion Hensel gracie invitational 2007 champion and then 2008 champion as well and you know all the way up to uh nyc open silver miami open bronze british open gold it's like you have a, a an amazing you know competitive career that uh you know it's uh, like when i before i came to om i was going to different different gyms and trying out places and you, you run into maybe not fake uh martial artists but kind of like faux faux guys who you know you're not really sure they have all these awards but you know they might not be real or i know it, it is a problem in in the community i you know i'm sure you've seen videos of like Absolutely. black belts being busted yeah but it's uh it's really cool that to, to have instruction from people who are you know internationally ranked uh uh people and i guess uh is that do you attribute you know is that um more about hard work or about you know athletic uh potential what do you think makes a good competitor i uh, i think that's a really gr- great way to put it the uh, either athleticism versus hard work mm-hmm. and the, to be honest like uh the reason why i like telling that story about me failing grade one is really to illustrate absolutely hard work yeah. you know i, I really think if like uh, if i had to just kept going through school and like on this path of survival and like cheating and just copying and I would have probably grown to be quite a an effective monster. <laughs> like I would have been very strategic. Yeah. But instead of like making the hard decision of like no, do it the right way first, that propelled me into this culture of, you know, get it done the right way. Right. Off the hop. Do it. And and often doing it the right way is the hard way. It's the way that people don't want to do it. Everyone's always looking for shortcuts. Right. And like how do I how do I sh- shorten the amount of work? Like how do I how do I how do I do this in a short period of time? Sure. Like, no, if do you want to be a master at something, you got to put your nose down to the grindstone and you got to, you just got to do the work. Absolutely. And I, and I think I learned that work ethic getting through school and getting it done. And I just applied that hard work ethic absolutely into martial arts. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of components though. It's not just hard work. It's also yeah. having a strong team. You know, uh, the people that you surround yourself with need to be people who you believe in and who believe in you. And I think that's what I had such a hard time with in school. So I was in an environment where I did not feel I belonged or I I felt I was in an environment that was very competitive in a negative way uh, where people are trying to beat each other versus try to build each other. Mm. And I think that's what really separated school and martial arts for me was... I was in a martial arts school where people wanted me to be better and they did whatever they could to help me. Sure. So hmm. I just focus on passing that forward. Like my nickname is, uh, is hammer and it's kind of a funny story, but, uh, 
within the first few weeks of training, uh, the guys made me feel like I was part of a family. And that's what really like sold me on this whole idea of like being in the martial arts school and staying with the team is I felt part of a team. And I think for a lot of people that, you know, uh, struggle with maybe their work life or struggle with school is because they don't have a community supporting them. Agreed. And, you know, I think why I succeeded through school was because of family and friends that I had around me, supported me, I got through it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be part of something or work at something that I didn't think was going to build towards my future. Being in this martial art community, I'm surrounded by people who who love what they do, love the people they work with. Yeah. And really, I, at the end of the day, when I go home, I go home satisfied. I'm like, man, I really did something today. I'm, I'm part of something. I, I'm completely investing myself into the students, mm-hmm. which is essentially the, the community. I'm, I'm helping people become their best. And uh, the gratitude that I learned from it and, and the gratitude I experience from the students every day is just, it's phenomenal. You know, yeah. uh, and, I, and I, I guess really that story of, of me failing grade one and doing it again is a, is a story of like not giving up, a story of, you know, ap- appreciate your failures. I think too many people are obsessed with like, oh, you can't make mistakes. Of course. Yeah. But man, that's how you learn. Yeah. You, you have to lose. You got to fail. And as you fail, you, you lose. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. You grow by overcoming these challenges. And I'm really lucky that my parents had the right ideas. Like, you know, you were very lucky in that case. Yeah. Because yeah, if they hadn't done that, I don't know what would have happened. But, you know, a lot of hard work comes from within as well, right? And Absolutely. I think you, you, you certainly proved that. Uh, we're actually running up on time. So before we close up, um, where did the nickname Hammer come from? Basically, uh, going to this gym, uh, training with the guys, it was so intimidating and frightening yep. that I remember I'd get sick to my stomach going there. But I knew once I got there, I was going to have a ton of fun. And when I would leave, I would leave with a feeling of like, man, I I did it. I got through the workout. I'm better. I'm stronger. And as I would go, I, I would, I would almost be in a panic. I was so afraid of what I was doing. And we would do this thing called takedown circle where we'd make everyone would circle around one person and that person would then have to wrestle every individual and take them down. And I didn't know anything. So I was like, you know, Tasmanian devil. I just picked people up and I'd slam them to the ground. And people are like, what's wrong with this guy? And, 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 and Pat one day was just like, man, you're like a hammer. What's with you? And then that was it. That was okay. forevermore. Uh, all, all the guys just called me hammer. So if I got really intense and yeah, I, was, yeah. I was pushing, I was going fast. Everyone was like, man, you're like a hammer. And now when people meet me, they're kind of like, you're a hammer? Like, why you're so like <laughs> you're little you're relaxed like what's like what but at the time i was i was crazy well yeah. it, it, <laughs> it makes you remember anyway yes. so there you go <laughs> and when you when you say remember that's exactly right so yeah. it helps keep me humble yeah, that you does, know yeah. every time i hear that nickname it reminds me of once upon a time i was a white belt yep i sucked i was sure. terrible and people helped me sure so every time i hear someone say my nickname it's be, uh, it, it's like an instant reminder of be humble, yeah. never forget where you came from, and the fact that you were terrible and pe- many people helped you grow. Yeah, right. So that I always try to put that forward. I I, I want to make myself available for others yeah. and help others because, man, I'm where I am today thanks to so many people who were there for me when I needed it. Sure. And what belt are you now? Uh, I, I've been a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the last uh, uh 
four, uh, four years. Oh, there you go. So you're, uh, okay. That's, that's amazing. So with that, that's all the time we have. Uh, but uh, we'll give you a chance to promote a few things. I know, well, first of all, how people can get in contact with you or the Academy, but also I know there's ground games coming up, so you can talk about all of that right now if you like. Sure, sure. Uh, just real quick, when I talk about getting an opportunity given to me, I'm obsessed now with trying to figure out how do I give others opportunities. And if anyone's ever looking for an opportunity in any formal way of being involved with our school, our organization, the events we put on, you know, there's many opportunity, uh, with, with, with our organization, our team. You can reach me at Matt. It's M-A-T-T at O-A-M-A dot C-A. Right. Yeah. I like to give people opportunity to volunteer or get involved and try to figure themselves out through working with us, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I, I work at the Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts on Carling Avenue. It's 1810 Carling and, uh, not too far from here actually. And, um, I'm going to be competing at an event coming up. It's called Ground Games, a phenomenal event. It's just Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. No punching or kicking. It's just people trying to choke the other person out or break their limb. It's phenomenal. Good old-fashioned. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to happen October 21st at Tudor Hall. And um, another event that's going to be happening uh, is um, I'm going to be doing a free bullyproof seminar at our, our school on 1810 Carling at the end of the month, uh, October 28th, I believe is the last Saturday of the month. Okay. You know, and again, that's something I'm very passionate about is working with children and teaching children just as much as teaching adults yeah. and, uh, just trying to help children build their self-esteem and give them the tools to overcome challenges that they face at school. You know, right. these are, mm-hmm. that's another, like, I, I apologize guys, but I, I, I talk all the time and I could talk forever because <laughs> no, I got so many great stories to share and so many lessons that I've learned and I love sharing it just to hopefully help others yeah. w- with it. But that's a, a, a another great event coming up. Huh. Sure. Great. And uh, where can the listeners find us, Rob? Listeners should head to ottawapodcast.com. I almost pulled the key and said that Ottawa podcast last yeah, time. Which is completely wrong. People did not like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can go subscribe, find us on iTunes, just search Ottawa. Uh, or as well, as well, Stitcher Radio. We have a uh, Twitter account. You can send us. We had someone follow up with us last week, a uh, friend of the show, Nick. Yes, um, I saw that. Telling me how to remember the Great Lakes of Ontario. He had a mnemonic device. Do you remember the... No, no you don't. That's, Some so, men only eat Oreos. There you go. There you go. So no, that's not it. There's two, it's close. two O's, right? It's close. But <laughs> but I really appreciate it because I like mnemonics. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, so if, you, if you learned anything from this episode or if you now feel like you can relate maybe to some of the stories and let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Just search Ottawa. There you go. Keegan, what is Ottawa News? Ottawa News is our satire and news site where we take headlines or we make up headlines about uh, things that could happen in Ottawa and uh, people believe it sometimes and dislike it. Yes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And with that, Matt, uh, you can end the episode by saying Ottawa. Ottawa.